and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It is the last episode of February, I think, question mark. We'll have our, we'll have our, our team check on that. But uh, more importantly, it's a very important episode, a very special episode, because we are once again joined by our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. And as is customary, I'm going to introduce him before anybody else. I'm not even going to introduce myself. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's a weird time of year with first Sunday with no football, so I don't quite yeah. know how to handle myself. We're all going through it right now. Yeah, the Super Bowl happened last week. I, I suppose we should we should talk about that in passing. Nerd Bomber, Tactic, you guys, you watch the Super Bowl. We all watch the Super Bowl, right? We're good to talk about that. Oh yeah, we recorded that episode before the Super Bowl. Yeah, so this is this is our first post Super Bowl episode. I'm gonna walk you through my Super Bowl experience because it was probably different than yours. I went to a party and. The guy who was hosting the party made, usually he makes ribs, but a couple of years he's made chili. This year he decided, I'm going to make both ribs and chili. I ate the ribs and the chili. They're both really good, but my body wasn't prepared for that. I, I experienced some very serious gastrointestinal distress at the Super Bowl. That's, <laughs> that's the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, I missed large portions of the game. Did you really? I did. I also, I was like, cause we were feeling so rough. I turned to my fiance, literally like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I was like, let's just go home. Because also like, I like sleep. That's something that I think I've mentioned on the podcast a lot. I like sleep a lot. I was like, I got to go to work in the morning. They don't, you know, the Monday after the Super Bowl is still not a national holiday. It's been talked about for a hundred years. Hasn't happened. Uh, So I didn't hear about the Cooper Cup touchdown until after I got home. Like I didn't even have the radio on. We were just talking. I don't know if that makes me like, do I have to hand in my membership card for like being a football fan or something? I don't know what happens to me. But uh, yeah, and also like spoiler alert, Cooper Cup scored the game winning touchdown. If you haven't seen the Super Bowl by now, you're not going to watch it. So there's no point in like spoiler alerts. But Stephen, were you happy with the outcome? Were you unhappy with the outcome? Did you win any prop bets? Did you lose any prop bets? I did not bet on the Super Bowl. Smart. No, I think I was rooting for the Bengals just because being a Packers fan, I didn't want the NFC team to win. Right. And makes sense. I mean, Cooper Cup is from. Washington. He played at Eastern mm-hmm. Washington, which is just right next to me, pretty much. So he's kind of a local guy. So everyone, the news was kind of excited that he was the one that got MVP and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice locally for him them to win. Did anyone say, because I didn't watch this part, did anyone say they're going to Disney World? Did they do that anymore? Or is that over? I believe they did it. He should go. I mean, Disney World's still, still cool, right? You yeah, know, I win the MVP. Remember. I feel like it's kind of a requirement. I feel like they were all just like super pumped i also like i feel like i tune out i kind of like keep it in my periphery when i'm watching the awards given out like the mvp award but the owners start talking and i'm like oh well okay my attention's gone here it's definitely bedtime at that point yeah i I mean i don't and i i've seen a lot of talk about that this week of like the first person they hand the trophy to is the owner when like i don't know i know he did stuff but like did he like, you know, it's like one of those conversations that everyone's having now because they saw him, I guess, I guess it got handed to him first. I didn't see the footage, but I did not place any bets. Well, that's not, that's not true. At the party I go to, everyone puts $3 into a hat and they get a name out of the hat. And if that person scores the first touchdown, you get all the money. So this year, the first touchdown was Odell Beckham, which I was very happy for him, by the way. Sad to see that he later shredded his knee, like right after that. But uh, my mom won the money. So good for, good for my mom. My dad also, he did squares to so like someone at his work or something did squares. He won both the halftime and the final regulation money. 
So like now he has to start looking for a new job. Like like everybody hates him at the office. Like you can't come back from that. If you win twice in one set of squares, like that's just it's brutal. I mean, I was happy for him, but I was like, everyone's gonna hate you now. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess it's kind of a, a fact of that whole thing. Anyone favorite commercials? I don't have much of a memory of the commercial, honestly. Again, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. Did I mention that? I like the one where uh, Gwyneth Paltrow ate her own. Uh, that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> her candle. Yeah, for those, we had to fill in the blank for for that one. That was, that was a fun noise you made there, though. I liked the one with Peyton Manning bowling. I don't even remember what it was commercial for, though. That's the thing with these commercials. Oh, yeah. I think it was Michelob Ultra or something like that. All I remember thinking is, wow, a bowling alley ran by Steve Buscemi. I'd like to bowl there. Right. That's he, That was an interesting. They're like, let's get a bunch of athletes and Steve Buscemi. Like, I, I guess it was a Big Lebowski reference or something. I don't really know. But yeah, they dusted off Dr. Evil. That was like a big commercial deal, I feel like. They were like, hey, Mike Myers, can you do a commercial for like, I think it was GM. I think that was, that was a commercial for GM. I think they're hyping that for an upcoming Austin Powers. Are they bringing that? I believe so. Are they bringing Austin Powers back? Yeah. I feel like someone has to fact check this. I haven't heard anything about this. I'll fact check it right now. I mean, I I do feel like Austin Powers, like if that came back, I would be like, like it wouldn't be a thing where I'd be like, don't dig it up. Like, I think it would make sense to bring it back. I would say, quote unquote, yeah, baby. Okay. I was never a big Austin Powers fan. Going to like friends' houses for sleepovers or stuff like that when it was this is probably dating myself when i was in like elementary or middle school or whatever those movies came out i feel like i was younger maybe older i have no idea but whenever they came out i feel like i always fell asleep when we would watch them it uh, a quick google suggests by the way there so there's an article that came out on screen rant february 9th will austin powers 4 ever happen and so i'm scrolling through this article and they basically found the most long-winded way possible to tell us uh yes it is apparently at some point happening. But by that, all they really mean is the creator and Mike Myers are both like, yeah, I'd do it. Uh, but there's no like set in stone plans yet, I guess. So I feel like the answer is probably more likely maybe, but the article seems to be saying yes. I don't know. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Austin Most of my Powers predictions fans. are correct on this show. So you can you can hold we, me to that one. I think we should consider... Oh, I want you to fail at more predictions. That's my number one goal of this show. So I think we should make you make one prediction a week because it, with that kind of volume, you're never going to be right all the time. Are you Are you open to that? No, or? no. I, I make I make predictions based on when they feel right. It's it's not going to be a force thing. You you think Raven Simone just goes and predicts everyone's future? No, they come to her and then she tells them. Boy, that was that was a, that was a show. That was that, a that was so Raven there. what I just did right there, wasn't it? <laughs> okay uh well we're off and rolling now we got through the super bowl we kind of buttoned that up i want to talk about bioshock because so in the news this week netflix is going to be producing a live action film based on bioshock so this again it it, it kind of folds into a lot of the news we've been talking about recently all these video game adaptations that are happening or in planning there are many more to come but this one especially i feel like it's like Uh, Yeah, of course. Why was this not? I mean, this is one that's been in the works for many, many years. Apparently, at one point, Gore Verbinski was attached to direct. And if you don't know who that is, Pirates of the Caribbean, which honestly would have been a great match. We know we know Gore is all about all about the ocean. You know, he made Pirates of the Caribbean coming to Netflix. So another win for Netflix. It seems like a big kind of thrust of the argument here. And I guess why it's taken so long to make a Bioshock movie is, I guess, like, and I think it's still kind of the case, but less so now. Hollywood's really afraid of R-rated movies. Like, they're afraid to put a lot of oomph behind R-rated movies, and Bioshock would require a lot of oomph in terms of, like, 
production design and getting the required talent and everything. And, you know, I think we keep going back to the success of like Deadpool in terms of Hollywood being like, oh, R-rated movies can actually make a lot of money and like be these big tentpole things. But for this movie, in my opinion, Bioshock, I had a hard time. Like I loved Bioshock Infinite. That was one that I really resonated with. And then it made me go back and play the other ones because when I first started playing Bioshock, I got maybe two hours in and it was very creepy vibes and we all know i don't do creepy vibes very well and it almost feels like it's more of a horror game like yes there's a bunch going on in bioshock and it's very narrative driven but it's also like very atmospheric and scary too many like jump scares of crazy people coming at me out of the woodwork in that game and i feel like that's perfect for an r-rated movie like just have a horror movie and I don't know why they didn't move forward with it sooner if that was the main thing holding them back. I don't think they're R-rated is, is really the holdback point. I think it's tough to sell a very singular character-driven story. Everyone likes some kind of group or at least a partner to kind of and bounce ensemble. things off okay. of. Yeah, They're going to need to change this significantly so that there's dialogue that can be back and forth aside from your standard boss fight interactions. I almost feel like no, though. Look at movies like A Quiet Place. There's... I mean, yeah, okay, there's character interaction, but like there's very minimal dialogue and yet the atmosphere and the other aspects of storytelling that kind of explain the world and what's happening was enough to carry that movie along. And I think you could do something similar with Bioshock. So, okay, going over to to our guest, Stephen, first of all, have you played Bioshock? I have started and stopped the first game twice. Was it too scary? Are you in the scary camp with me? No, well, like the first time I stopped, I think like the very first Big Daddy battle, and I think I just died a lot. Mm-hmm. And first <laughs> yeah. person no, games aren't really my thing. And then I don't remember why I stopped the second time. I don't know. Like, Nerd Bomber, you're saying it's like you said atmospheric, which I totally agree with. The main character in the game is not the playable character. It is ra- Rapture. It is it is the world that you're in. Like, that's the whole point of playing the game. And it's like, it's what you could. It's, it's the biggest part of it, I think. And I, I think that is why, like, it's this is going to be a super expensive movie to make because you need all of that and it has to look amazing. I, I think the critical piece here, and I, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds. For, so for those that haven't played all the way through, this isn't really a spoiler by any means, but the character of Atlas is going to be a very big deal. He is the character who talks to the main character quite a bit. So I wouldn't call them a duo necessarily, but that's where a lot of the talk is going to come. I don't know. I, I'm going to agree with Nerd Bomber. I don't know that dialogue is particularly... I mean, if you look at, at a movie like... And this is kind of... It's very different in a lot of ways. But Drive with Ryan Gosling. He's like four lines in that movie. <laughs> like He does not do a lot of talking. But it's still a very good movie. And I'm not saying the movies are going to be at all similar. But I'm just saying I, I think it's certainly possible to pull off a movie like this without a whole lot of crosstalk if only because again i think rapture is going to be the reason people show up i don't it's funny i don't remember it being that scary i really don't like like i have this very distinct memory and this is like a very specific scene maybe and this is where my stopping point was because i was just there were too many jump scares but i was in like this lab or something and it was partially underwater and then randomly it was like very dark the electricity was like flickering there were like i don't know it looked like there were psych experiments happening in this lab hospital beds 
tools and oh, instrumentation yeah. everywhere. And then somebody came out of nowhere, some crazy person ran out from the dark and scared the crap out of me, like literally jumped out of my skin in real life. And I was like, okay, I, I can't. <laughs> well, plus early on in that game, you have to be avoiding the big daddies and hiding from them. You just like to go, right. what's up? And just gun everybody. <laughs> that's that's your style of play. So the high like, crouches. Like, and what Steven was saying, like being killed by a big daddy repeatedly. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like that's that that is like definitely a big part of the game. Is like you see a big a big daddy, and like unless you are absolutely buffed up with like six different things, you don't go near the big daddy. But I I just like I don't know. I I think when I play games like Bioshock and like Dead Space, we're talking about a hundred times. Like I think I just I manage to put myself into a mindset of like. Like you're describing like someone runs out of the dark at you screaming bloody murder or swinging an axe, whatever. I guess I'm just like, okay, that's going to happen in this game. So I'm, I'm mentally prepared for it at every single turn. And when it happens, I'm just like, oh, of course. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't surprise me that much is maybe what it is. See, but I, me, I'm aware that's I'm like, like a hard thing to do. I'm mentally prepared for it, but then I inch forward and move super slow because I'm scared of things popping out at me. And then that's just not a good time either. That's just me in horror right, games. Just, so like, I know... I, I'm now a gamer for decades, and I know that's just not my my cup of tea. Maybe we should just play that together then. That's what I've been saying. We tried to do that though with the Evil Within, and I feel like that, that, that game was just punishing. It's it's that game is just yeah. You can't you. There is no fighting back with that game. But now you you mentioned Infinite too, and like so, Stephen, did you ever try Infinite? Because I know Infinite's like supposed to be very different. Um, but if you're not first person or like it's probably the same story i guess yeah i have it like i own all three of them but i just yeah i haven't played it i've heard infinite's the better of the three and that's yeah. kind of the one i'm more interested in which is yeah you know, that's funny to me because i started infinite and i fell off the wagon on infinite and like and actually the same thing happened to me with bioshock 2 i start because i have all three as well i started playing bioshock 2 and in the case of Bioshock 2, I was like, okay, this is just exactly the same as the first one. So what am I, what am I really doing here? That was kind of my, my issue with it. But the infinite is totally different, but it just, I don't know. I, I do think it just, the story didn't grab me and, See? and everyone, I, people are listening right now screaming at me because I know people go crazy for the story of infinite and people have talked about it's one of the best stories ever. And like the, the game is so good. I just, I couldn't get there with it. I don't know. That how was one, like explain. for me, it was... First of all, a completely different setting, but I think the world pulled me in. So the story, obviously, in all Bioshock games, you know, they start out where you're not getting the full picture right away. You never are in Bioshock right. games. You pretty much, you just don't know who you even are, basically. Right. You're like, whatever, I'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> and to me, the world in Bioshock Infinite was so vibrant. There was so much going on that that just pulled me in and I wanted to learn more about the world. And then I got sucked into the story. And from there it did like, I think I played it in a weekend. I was I feel like I'm talking about being sick a lot, but I was sick. I had the flu and I was just in my dorm room at the time. And you more vitamin C. Sounds like <laughs> I don't get sick that often, but when I do, I make account. count, but I like plowed through the game in a weekend because I just didn't want to leave my bed and I couldn't get out of bed really. So I played it and it was a fantastic experience and it was a yeah. good. Story. I mean, and and you know, of course, you know, going back to, to Netflix and this whole, this whole movie deal, like, you know, they're thinking like, all right, if we make this one, we can make infinite. We can make the, you know, we can make Bioshock two if we want to, like, it's all about franchising these days. Plus, you know, we've, I think we talked about this a few months back. There is another Bioshock game like in development. At what I think what we talked about was that it wasn't going 
particularly well, but it doesn't mean it's not in development. So, so this I don't is know, my like, question for you guys. I have actually two. So there's okay. been a lot of chatter, people speculating whether like with a video game property, would it be better suited for a movie? Or since this is a Netflix title, would it be better suited for a series? And that's just kind of like video games as a whole. Do you think they'd be better suited as a series or a movie? And then secondly, are you guys worried about Netflix and how they might handle this movie just knowing that some of the netflix originals tend to be just kind of meh i want to i want to take the answer on this one so it's a case-by-case basis i think you can't say that they're all going to be good as series they're all going to be good as movies i think bioshock because of what i said there's not going to be a lot of need for character development i I agree with illegal in that it's world development that you're doing and and i think that's going to fit into the movie time slot i think you're just going to get kind of get bored in, if this becomes a series. But there are other right. titles, in my opinion, um, other franchises, such as we've talked about Mass Effect becoming a series. That is ripe for the pickings. So it's it's, it's a game-by-game right. basis. I, I think, and yeah, so I'll agree with you. I think like, and I think if you take any, like, I think you wanted a broader answer, Nerd Bomber. I think you wanted to say, take any video game. It should it be a movie or a TV show. I'm still going to say movie because I think, you know, video game, play times can range from however long like four hours to like 100 hours for a game like mass effect but a lot of games farms you know you right but if you if you take a certain game and try and pull kind of like movieable elements out of it you're gonna get maybe an hour and a half you might even need to stretch to get to that so if, to me i'm always going to say movie i think you can create better experiences that way uh, and, that, and that's not that's not trying to degrade the story quality of, of any particular game or or the character driven elements of any particular game i just i think that's just kind of the nature of the format i yeah i i i think i agree with everything that the tactic said i will say too though that like if they wanted to make a prequel series about rapture and like a bunch of people living in rapture as it kind of slowly declines yeah then you'd have something but then you're then you're just extrapolating from from the ip that you have to work with so Stephen, where are you at on this? Should any given video game be a series or a movie? And it's a very open-ended question, but... I lean more towards probably TV series, just because I feel like the video game format, just the stories, just like you were talking about how long the stories are, I like how long it takes. So I kind of want to spend time in that world. So I kind of want to see TV show format, like what they're doing with The Witcher, where he's going on missions and doing each episode's kind of something like over an overarching story where you can kind of do individual things for each week too. right the the episodic thing is a good point i mean so many games are structured in chapters or missions or and it, it is easy then to piecemeal and then you can you know take a certain mission in a game and extrapolate you know an entire episode of television around that i imagine fairly easily you know again sticking with the sci-fi format okay in this mission we go to this planet and like on this planet what things will happen to the crew like it's just you know at that point you're you're using the ip there are still certain story beats you have to hit but there are other things you can have happen you know if you have a production budget like netflix has you know anything is possible basically i don't remember what your second question was or bother <laughs> we've been t- talking so much about your first one i don't remember what the second one even was are you worried about netflix having bioshock in their wheelhouse because some of their movies their originals tend to be a little meh no i'm not and i'll, I'll tell you why so, so i don't and the article i have in front of me i don't know if there's a director attached to this yet but i'm going to pitch one Mike Flanagan is a guy who has been working with Netflix for a while now on a few different things, and he deals predominantly in horror. And I think that he would be a good fit for this. I think Netflix should have no problem. Like Netflix has put out a lot of meh things. There's no doubt about it. But I guess I just don't, I I don't see that as kind of this 
predestination that this is going to be meh. Like, I, th- I think this is super possible. They've made good things, too. Can I think of any of them right now in this moment? Plus, anytime, no, I can't, I can't, anytime this, is, this is done, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to reflect poorly on the game. It, it's always seen as this independent project. Whether it's successful or not, meh, whatever. We'll move forward. Like no one, no one, the, no one talks about Doom, right? I mean, I was, I was about to great. say the Doom If there's movie. like a first person sequence in Bioshock, I will be so happy. That I know it was only like I'm not saying the game Doom. I'm no, saying no, no, the no. movie Doom. Oh, I know the movie Doom with the rock in it. Oh yeah, there is like a 30 second, maybe a minute first person sequence that they did that's like very reflective of playing the game, and it was the most badass thing that I've ever seen or had at that point and that alone made that entire movie worthwhile that is my my little pitch for the terrible terrible doom movie you should watch it just for that sequence so we're going to do something experimental here on the podcast we've been doing this a lot lately we're going to do it again guys we talk outside of the show okay um we talked to steven outside of the show too so we know something that's gone on in steven's life recently which has a huge I, I i think it's very relevant to the conversation we're currently having basically video games becoming movies steven i have it on good authority and the authority is you that uh you saw uncharted which we talked about that on the show of course and i i want i know that should be a what are you up to thing but i want to unpack that here if we can it was only gonna be a minor part of my what are you up to anyway so well so what so what's what's minorly yeah let's minorly unpack it here i mean obviously i have a huge investment in this because i love the game so much I've seen the reviews I've seen have been, I would say, middling, and maybe, maybe that's even uh, generous of me to say. So yeah, they've been they've been harsh. What was your take on it? I so first off, I'm a person who I liked like the Prince of Persia movie. Like I found that right. to be fun. So when it comes to video game movies, maybe I'm a little bit less critical on. So I had a lot of fun with it. I think as Uncharted, it might work better as a TV show rather than a movie. But right. like for this movie, I felt like it worked enough. Like one thing when it comes to like Uncharted, I come to the games for witty banter between Sully and Nate. And then mm-hmm. I come for the puzzle solving and the giant set pieces that I have to go with. And I feel like right. the movie got the banter. You don't really get experience much of the puzzle solving, which I think might be hard to do anyways in a movie. Right. And then the set pieces were few and far between. See, that that last part is what surprises me. You, you would think they would build this movie around, and maybe they still did, but you would think they would build it around that critical element of the game. Because I would totally agree with that characterization, by the way, that Uncharted is about predominantly those three things. And, and you know, puzzle solving, it's hard to put that in a movie with any sort of convincing. Like, you're not going to be hooked into him moving stones around. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? So I think the set pieces are what you really have to lean on. And that's like, that's such, that's such a huge part of the game. It's what you show up for. And, you know, the trailer we saw a hundred times was, you know, the, the plane scene, which I'm sure was great or it looked great to me. But if you, you know, it sounds like what you're saying is that was one of the few <laughs> and like, that's, that's definitely disappointing. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, there wasn't as many as there should have been. And also with, I mean, I saw someone talk about how Nate has like one of the highest body counts in the history of video games like he's just shooting people left and right that doesn't happen in this movie so that kind of also feels like it's a part of uncharted that is there that just wasn't in the movie he's not hiding around shooting things throwing grenades so that kind of right maybe it's because he's a young nathan drake but it was just that too was lacking that's another thing i wanted to ask like how did tom holland and marky mark fit their roles given that they are supposed to be younger versions of the characters in the games i felt like they were decent 
I didn't feel like Tom Holland was being Peter Parker. Like, I was able to tell he wasn't being Peter Parker. Like, I felt like he was being a different character. Mm-hmm. The way he kind of walked around felt different. And, yeah, they just seemed like their chemistry on screen seemed fine. Right. It's just, I, 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 yeah, I think, and this is, this is what I talked about before, you know, like, everything you're saying to me is just, it's, it's very vindicating to hear because... I've been saying from the start that like they're they're trying to they're trying to appeal to everybody, right? They're trying to take this uncharted name and they're trying to turn it into this very like family-friendly Tom Holland experience that like it's just going to sell out. It's just going to sell off certain parts of the game that make the game so great to be this kind of big blockbuster tentpole thing, which by the way is coming out in February, which is weird. Like this seems like a summer movie too. It just, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still gonna see it. There's no doubt, but I'm fully prepared to be disappointed. Like, <laughs> I, I to, to the extent that I might just wait for it to come out, like straight to, or not straight to, but like it's come out on DVD or something and like rent it. Circling back to Bioshock, this is what's important, and and this is a great example of what's important about taking away the key elements of a game. A, or whatever IP you're, you're pulling from and making sure I, I, I love that you uh, you had mentioned, hey, these this game is these specific three things without these specific three things. It's just going to be middle of the road. So, Stephen, I kudos for saying that, because if they're going to do this with Bioshock, they got to get the key elements from that game. Right. Right. And it, I, I, you know, as far as what those are, is it tactic? Did you play through all of it or am I the only one who's played through the whole game? Um, I've touched a little bit of each and every one. Okay. I, I mean, the number one thing they have to get right is Rapture. I like past that, I guess like, I don't know, the big daddies are pretty important, but like, I don't even know past the, the whole game is about Rapture and the sto- you find learning the story of how Rapture was and how it kind of fell apart. Well, it's like a mystery unfolding too. Yeah. They need to get that part right. Everything else about the game, even the combat and like, it's, like it's, that's pretty superfluous to, to what this, this needs to be. There's also, there's plot details they need to get right that I can't discuss because they're spoiler-tastic, so I'm not going to. But there's there's a couple of other things. They're definitely going to save all the girls because I I simply don't see them on a, yeah, on a movie sucking so <laughs> the energy out of these girls. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't think so either. Who knows though? I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of a director who would get his hands on this and be like, kill all the girls. <laughs> There's probably somebody, but uh, I would think they would probably probably save all the girls rather than, than harvest all the Adam. Anyways, yeah, there's no, again, too early here for release dates or anything like that. So it's just something we have to, to keep our eye on. But again, it's something that it's a natural occurrence. Nothing, nothing surprising about this, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. I think there's a lot of potential and uh, I would love, I would love, um, Guillermo del Toro to get his hands on this. I don't know if that's likely, but I think that would be really cool. I think he's the perfect director for this kind of project. That was my first choice too. Yeah, it's it's. If you look at like all the like bluish green, like it's that's all about color scheme. Like when I look at this game, it looks like Pan's Labyrinth. You know, like it's just. I think it just has him written all over it. He's also he does like horror stuff. He did Crimson Peak and stuff. So it just seems like it's up his alley. But uh, Guillermo, call Netflix. They might want to work with you, man. We'll see. We're going we're gonna to sandwich our, our video game topic in between our two movie topics. So we're going to move on now to a little bit of game history. We're going we're gonna to get educated, guys. Not really. It's, it's a news story about, about game history, I guess, is, is more what it is. First of all, there is a Video Game History Foundation. Now, I have to admit, I did not know that. Maybe that makes me a bad nerd. I don't, I don't really know. But um, they're in mad at Nintendo. 
which it seems like a bad if you're a video game history foundation being mad at nintendo is probably something you don't want to be but uh, i guess nintendo has decided to, it makes perfect sense you know spoiler alert this news story is going to make nintendo look pretty bad so if you don't like that sort of thing i guess you can fast forward nintendo is closing down its wii u and 3ds stores which has been met with criticism i, I mean i i will say to an extent what is nintendo supposed to do is like the first thing I would say in terms of like, they're going to close those stores because people don't use them. They're not economical, right? It's a business decision, I think is how it's been framed. With that said, there's more to it. I guess, you know, yeah, I'm learning a lot. I learned a lot reading this article, but I guess Nintendo does not handle its back catalog very well. They kind of just shut off access. Like the Video Game History Foundation is basically complaining that you, like if you want a copy of Wind Waker, you can't even go to the library and get it after this is, is I guess the pretension. It's funny to me because if you asked me how is Nintendo on like retro game access, I would have said pretty good, but that's mostly because they, you know, they have these retro game things going on with the Switch where you can go online and you can play like whatever, Donkey Kong Country or something. But there is this gray area, right, of like games that came out in 2005 that it's probably pretty hard to get a hold of those with with with, with the way Nintendo is handling things and that's I guess what the foundation is complaining about. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if this is the sort of thing where I go around and ask everyone's opinions. I think. I think. I think Nintendo's fumbling the ball. I just. I guess I more have a question of like, what is their reasoning behind this? Why does Nintendo feel like they have to do it this way, where they just rip things out of people's hands? If my opinion is, if if the hard, co- I, I get shutting down the e stores and not supporting those. Fine, whatever. But if you have the hard copy, don't prevent it from being exchanged and sold in other mediums. It it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think the biggest issue that they have is that it's not so much that these games are not going to be commercially available, but for like historical, educational, whatever access and libraries that their Nintendo kind of actively works against that. They don't really allow for that to happen. And in my opinion, I mean, it's tough because, yeah, they're a business and they want to make money because that's the sole purpose for being for any business, right? But in terms of like looking back at our history, and this is kind of an issue with digital games as a whole, is that, you know, preservation of gaming history is very sus when we start taking away access to digital-only titles. And I think the biggest thing with Nintendo and the eShop and even the Switch now, like you look on the eShop and a lot of the games, they don't have physical versions, especially when you're digging into all of these like indie gems that are out there. A lot of them, like they don't have the means to make physical versions of these games. So then when the eShop shuts down, because Nintendo is so strict, I mean, in general, I think the gaming industry is pretty strict on pirating, but basically pirating is the only way then to get access to some of these games because once the store shuts down, that's it. These games are gone into the ether. And maybe not every game needs to be preserved, but in 10, 20, 30 years, maybe there's an indie game out there that was only available digitally. And then maybe it had a huge impact on gaming and development design and that will be lost forever and nobody will be able to reference that. And there will be that gap in our knowledge because there's just no way to find it. So, Stephen, are you a physical copy man or a digital copy man? I am extremely physical copy. I yeah, hate buying man. digital. Like, I'm someone who I just spent, I don't know, 200 bucks buying old Kirby games when I could have maybe spent a little bit less on that if I bought them digitally on the Wii U or the 3DS. 
but I wanted the carts. I wanted the physical game, so I bought them off eBay. Okay, so you is this a recent thing that you just did because of this news? No, I did it because of the new Kirby game, and I just yeah, got I in the say, mood are you of preparing? buying a new one. Yeah, I was preparing. That's what I do when I go to video game retro binges. I just kind of find a niche that I want to buy, and I spend a couple weeks buying up that franchise. Now, is your decision to go mostly physical, like, did that start because, you know, fear of losing digital titles and access to them? Or is it just like, because I kind of like just having a physical thing on my shelf. I just, there's something nice about having a physical collection. So which kind of reasoning do you have? Or is it a little bit of both? I'm a hoarder and a collector. So that's kind of why. Like if you could see behind me, you'd see two complete shelves full of just movies, just my movie collection. Like I go that, I go physical when it comes to movies. In my other game room, that's where all my games are. And just I just go physical just because I think if I'd go more digital, if I noticed a discount with more with the digital. Mm-hmm. Right. If anything, you get like, that's the other thing about it. Like, yeah, so for me, like what Nurbomber said, pride of ownership is a big thing. And like seeing it on the shelf, I don't know whether it's right or not. I, I There's a pride associated with that for me. But it, it's also, I think it is very often, you can go to GameStop and you can buy a, a used game for like nine bucks or something. And the digital copy on like PlayStation Network is still like 40 bucks. Like it, that happens so frequently that I I just wonder how anyone who has like, you know, a, a digital only PS5, for example, like, I don't know, I don't even know how they get by. Like, it's just, it's, it kind of blows my mind. Like the Mass Effect, we were talking about Mass Effect before, like the legendary edition I just got, I got it for 20, 20 bucks from GameStop. I'm giving GameStop a lot of free advertisement right now. I don't care. Do you know how, like the value of that is insane. Like assuming I like Mass Effect at all, A, I get to play all those games for $20, but B, when it's done, I have something on my shelf that like, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like, oh, that was so great. And like, like, and I have movies like that too. Like I, I don't own very many Blu-rays, but like I own all the Brandon Fraser mummy Blu-rays and like th- that is a possession that I, I do cherish. So like, it's just, I think it's interesting that the digital thing it's really taking off and like then yeah you run into problems like this where you know i think companies like nintendo are like what's i don't know make it so people can't have it like it, it also makes me think a little bit and disney might still be doing this Does disney still do the vault remember the vault are they still doing that they put things in the vault i think they stopped because now almost anything you can think of is on disney plus right it's just that when you think well, it about used to the be vault, like false scarcity so that people would rush to buy it when they yeah. would take things out of the vault it like builds hype but it's also like that's like sadistic, man. Like I just, I, when I think about it now, it's just, I don't like it. It just makes me feel gross that they did that. But it's a business tactic. I understand that. I have a solution to all of this that I want to share. Remember, speaking of retro, let's take a trip back to like, I don't know, the late 90s, early 2000s, I think was when this was a big deal. You would, uh, you would download some songs either from iTunes or like some Russian website if you were me or like, you know, not that we condone live, piracy on our podcast, <laughs> live, like live wire. Like there's all these, websites he's talking about Russian just, iTunes. I I sure. Exactly. And you would take those songs and you would say, I'm going to burn a CD so that I can have the songs on a CD. Like we did that. Like we, if you were me, you went hard in that. I think they need to bring that back and say, you buy a digital copy of a game. If you want a physical copy, go ahead, burn it to a disc. Like they're never going to do this. I know that. Let me be clear. Like that's, it's never going to happen, but gosh, how cool would that be if you could like buy the little jewel cases or like buy cases that looked like video game cases, burn a game onto a disc and put it in there and like, then like draw the cover, like print the cover art off your computer or something. Like it's just, that could be so great. Or even like, it. it would be really interesting 
And I again, I don't know how this would work because obviously, you know, Nintendo controls the eShop, but there'd have to be some sort of agreement with the developers of the games that are on the eShop. But imagine like they're saying, hey, you know, the 3DS eShop, we're shutting it down. But here are some blank cards. And I don't even know how technically this would even work because I'm pretty sure you right. can't. But like you write, you don't write save data to the, the actual card. You write it to the DS. Hmm. Well, if it, it would be cool if there was just a way that you could write to like a blank cart and then you could just put it because you'd have to obviously buy the game through the eShop to do it. Hmm. And by the way, like they could, this is an opportunity for Nintendo to be like, we will sell you blank cards for an absurd markup. And then you can buy this like adapter thing that you can do it. So we're basically spending they do our a money for them dreams twice. thing where you, where it's like you make your own games. Ah, then you can buy friend made games and download to your card. Again, oh, it's never going to happen. But so, okay, I, I guess maybe I'm just bumming this all. It'll out be a resurgence of the Game Boy Color. Oh, you guys, you guys got me on a tangent. Yeah, it'd be cool. I, I feel bad bringing that up now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, again, there, as far as this story itself, the Video Game History Foundation, I'll have to go check them out. Um, I bet they have some cool material. But yeah, like the idea of like not being able to get games anywhere just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem any good at all. Like even E.T., like that game's hard to get now. Apparently the worst game ever. Gosh, if I don't want to try it. But it's cheap. Can can you get it? I thought you couldn't get it anywhere. I bought it two years ago, but that's just because I still I still have my Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh yeah, see, I, I, that's the problem. Is like the barrier to entry for me. Like that was the nice thing about this Nintendo Switch Online was they were like, you don't need to buy a Super Nintendo or have a Super Nintendo. We'll just here, just have all of them. Like you pay us a monthly whatever. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. For all I know, Atari does have something similar. It'd be easy to get hardware to do it, but it's just the barrier to entry is higher. And like ET is like some stupid little thing that I could probably play in a web browser, right? It'd be cool to just like be able to do that. Like, yeah, I think that'd be neat. But so did you play it? Is it awesome? Is it like really good? Is it? I've only played it for a little bit. I don't think it's as bad as people think it is or say it is, but I think we might've talked about either. We talked about this with you or we talked about it with someone else recently where like, it's one of those things where maybe just like, I don't know, the purported media frenzy about it kind of got the better of it. And like, it's not actually that bad. It's just like, it's one of those things when someone says it's bad, you're like, Oh, I guess it's bad. Then you play it and you're like, yeah, it does. It is bad. And like, there's really no, there's not as much of a critical eye being placed on it because there's just this prevailing opinion that it's, that it's bad. I watched Conan play it. Uh, it looked pretty bad, but it, like Conan doesn't know what he's doing, you know? So <laughs> who's to say? I'm just going to say Viva la Revolution. Wow. Okay. Well, We're going there, full revolution. There, there's always the DIY folk fighting these corporations. So someone come up with a game, a game burner. There is. There like, are there are cartridge readers and writers out there that you can buy. And then there's also cheap cartridges that you can buy and reformat and write whatever you want to write on them. Just saying. But make it so I can do it with like Switch games. Like I bought an, I bought plenty of indie games on the Switch from the eShop. Let me put them on discs and like put them on my shelf. You know, like it's, I, I don't know. The Switch probably the, has security protocols, but I could tell you like the Game Boys don't. Well, yeah, because the Game Boys are they're Game Boys. They came out a long time ago. But like Nintendo needs to like chill, man. Let me burn a disc. What's the worst that could happen? I give it to a friend, they play it. I suppose to them that is pretty bad. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, to me, it doesn't seem that bad. The game cost me like five cents. You know, like the, those indie games can be ridiculous on this on the, the Switch store. Let me, you know, let me give someone else stick bold. Let them play it. What's the big deal? I just wonder if for this, for the video game industry itself, if it's just too young still. Like 
when movies came out back in the 20s and 30s, did we lose all those? Like, it's been a kind of a medium that's matured throughout the decades, whereas video games still seem kind of young compared to movies and music and books. So I'm wondering if it's just too early to start complaining about all this stuff. And if you notice, over the past 10 or 15 years, we've stopped seeing the federal warning before every movie to not pirate it. So they they, they have chilled out the movie industry. You remember that, like... Remember that ad that like before the movie, it's like, you wouldn't steal a car. You know that? Like they, they say all the things you wouldn't steal and they're like, why would you steal a movie? It's like, well, a movie and a car are two very different things. Yeah, no, that's a good point though. I mean, mo- video games are very young and like, I think there are things that have happened in the movie industry. Like think about movies now. People don't buy, I, I, Steven, I know you still do, but I think like at large, people don't buy Blu-rays and DVDs very much anymore. Hey, like, it's just, just not did. the way things work. I, I bought a a four dollar Blu-ray of No, no Strings Attached. Oh. But people like, and, but the point is, like, I am a huge. I I had a blog for years that was like reviewing movies. I was super into movies. I'm still super into movies. But like, I don't buy Blu-rays that often. I do. Like like when Endgame came out, I was like, I should have this. This is like a touchstone thing that I'm gonna buy this this Blu-ray for myself. And there are still certain Blu-rays I do buy, but like when I want to see a movie that's been out for a while, my first thought is not I'll go buy the Blu-ray or the DVD. My first thought is I will digitally stream it. So I guess there is something there maybe about that medium where I do lose that pride of ownership for some reason. Maybe because the format is is mature enough and omnipresent enough where I'm not worried about losing anything. I don't know. Food for thought. That's a, it's, it's a, it's a poignant way to, to close off this segment, but that's, that's what I'm going to do. So... Nerd Bomber, we'll get to your No Strings Attached purchase, uh, trust me. But uh, before we do that, uh, we're going to do a couple things. First, we're going to take a break. And we're actually, this may be the longest first half of the show we've ever done. Can I just take a moment to... Make it longer. Yeah, make it longer and appreciate that fact, you know. Look, when you add a fourth person to the mix, things really start percolating. And sometimes you just get lost in the in the, in the the sweet music of all the voices. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we have. Steven is joining us today as a result of his continued Patreon support of the show. We appreciate all the support he has given us and continues to give us. And uh, we thank him for being here. He also gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, by the way, and the producer shout out every week and input into the game segment, which he, he provided input into the game this week and he's going to play. So now, the- and I don't want to put pressure on you, Steven, but theoretically you have the inside track. Are you, do you feel prepared? That's why I didn't vote for one of the categories, because I didn't want to be embarrassed if I didn't do well in the category. So there you go, guys. Yeah. Becoming a night level subscriber on our Patreon is a good way to avoid embarrassment. That's like that's the strongest sell I could possibly <laughs> give. Uh, there's also a Squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there's a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. Any amount of support helps. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Check out all the details there. Thanks again to Steven. We're going to take a short break to shout out a sponsor. Uh, Tactic's going to throw us an ad read here. And then we're going to come back and talk about Blue's Clues. We're going to, we're going to keep, keep it retro, I guess, here. Talk about Blue's Clues and then get into what we've been up to. What's that under there? It's underwear. If you're a commander, don't go commando and invest in underpants. They keep your nether regions warm and cozy while still protecting your pants from leftover drips. Invest now in underpants. Use promo code N-O-T-E-N-U-F-S-H-K-S to get 0% off your pair today. I'll tell you again, you know, it's 
we don't do this often. We did it with shoes, but like I have to just take a moment here in the main episode to to shout out underwear, revolutionary product. I don't know. It's just there. There's something. It's there's this indescribable X factor about it that I don't even know if it shows up in the ad copy. But here's to you, underwear. You're doing some some great work. Let's talk about Blues Clues. Blues Clues is a show that I think a lot of us had around at various points. There's been various iterations of it. There's a new Blues Clues movie coming out. By the, which, by the way, before we even get into the main part of this, like the screenshot that Paramount Plus shared for this movie, I don't even know if there's been a Blues Clues movie before. Blues Big City Adventure. We're we're in Times Square here, people. Like this is like this is the big leagues. Like Blue is not just in his house anymore. He actually is Blue a he or she? She. Blues is she. Magenta is Blues is she. From what I remember. See, this is exactly like this is exactly why I keep you guys around. Because I, I did not honestly know that. I like how you uh, to clarify from what you remember. Guys, she doesn't still watch the show. You don't know that. Here's what they're doing. They, in 2023, they are bringing back all three, Steve, Joe, and Josh. Who came up with the idea first? Okay, is so like my main I have a theory on what happened here. I think it's just been to- this, this building thing that we're going to bring Steve back to make people feel good during the pandemic. And then people went nuts, and they were like, "Well, well this was, I was gonna bring this up. was unexpected." Yeah. And then they were together at the, at, I believe it was the parade, and they're like, "People went even more nuts." Well, this is unexpected, and they're like, "Guys, guys, we we got to do something bigger. This is this is just getting out of hand." Them them millennials just love Steve, and them Gen Zers just love Joe. Joe, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a millennial. You, go. you got there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, so this is, yeah, I was going to bring up that video because I remember when that came out and by the way, I didn't watch it. He made, he made you feel so good. That's what I heard. I just like, I don't know. First of all, you feel like this photo of the three of them in Times Square. I love Steve. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I grew up with Steve. Steve's a great guy. If I saw Steve on the street, I would be afraid to approach him. Do you see the, this outfit that he's wearing, this trench coat and like this, it's, it's insane. Steve's trendy. You you back off my mans, okay? You you just need to calm down. I'm liking all these compliments you're giving me right now. It feels nice. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh no, S- Steve, I don't, I don't I don't I don't know what you're wearing, but I am sure it's much better than this trench coat hat. Did you situation. just Did you just ask Steve what is he wearing right now? This, this, this uh, no, podcast is getting a little want. racy. Sounds a lot like um, Love is Blind. I okay, we're going to get to that later. I like what Joe is wearing. Do you see this this sweater with the three presents on it? I want that. That's what I want. I bet those are clues, by the way. I'm trying to get ahead of Blue's Clues. I'm trying to figure it out before it comes out. I bet one of those three presents on his, on his shirt is a clue. I, I, I think the big question here, considering what they're doing, look, I don't want to be a grouchy old man here, okay? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my grouchy old man hat on for a second. If the goal of this is to make me want to watch a Blue's Clues movie... It's going to miss the mark. Like what? I'm not as as an as an adult man, or at least purportedly an adult man. I'm not going to sit down and watch a Blues Clues movie. I don't know if that's what their goal is, though. Their goal might just be, hey, like because I, I, I didn't know this. I guess I guess Joe and Steve do go on the show occasionally. Like it's it's been happening for a little bit. Like they have like cameos, which I didn't know that. I just that that addition of all three of them being in it. Who is that for? I guess is like my predominant question. Maybe one yes. can answer. The answer is yes. It's for everyone. And like, I could tell you this is going to be, I'm going to call up my nephew and say, hey man, you want to watch a really cool movie because I'm too old to watch this alone? <laughs> 
and we're going to watch this and we're going to enjoy it and it's going to be bonding it's going to be bringing generations together I, w- I okay i would watch it with my nephew like i yeah i would watch it with my nephew certainly but like i'm not it's not gonna be like hey, friday night i'm gonna like pour myself a glass of scotch and watch the blues big city really? adventure like no it's just like that's not gonna happen kind of now that's just, you <laughs> should that be should that be a secret segment on the show it's just me live streaming me watching blues blues big city <laughs> adventure by myself is that a is that good content we'll, we'll talk content. about it off the air i guess I want to I ask Stephen, what is, what's his Blue's Clues exposure? Having the same name as one of the hosts, is that a big deal for you? I am an old, and therefore I've never watched Blue's Clues. I didn't even know it was still on. Like, I it's didn't know going. they'd gone through three hosts. I thought... Yeah, it died, but it came back. I got yeah. you. I didn't, I didn't know that either. It had an original run from 96 to 2002. That was, that was when Steve was on. Then it, uh, Joe took over until 2006... And then in 2019, it was rebooted. So it was gone for 13 years. Which I actually did not know, but I also, yeah, like it's, we, we, might, we might have talked about when the revival came back for all I remember, but it's a great, the, the structure of Blue's Clues, like I, I will admit this as someone who has no plans to watch this new movie, the, the structure of Blue's Clues as a children's show is unstoppable. It's undefeated. The, the, the three clues format, it just keeps kids engaged. I, I, I lived for Blue's Clues when I was a kid. It was the best. So that okay. makes sense. So my hot discussion question, and I probably should have given you guys the heads up on this so you could formulate your answers ahead of time, but this is going to be on the spot. And we'll start with you, Stephen, if you, if you have an answer in the back of your mind. We've now seen this trend, you know, of shows, movies, franchises kind of getting like a triple reboot where it's rebooted and they bring multiple iterations of a show together into one fun like timeline bending sort of experience what is the next thing that you would like to see brought back with this kind of like multiverse aspect to it give me the nicktoons give me some rugrats with some doug and some rocco's modern Ooh. life Ooh. somehow throw those together that's a very good i like answer. that i like that a lot i got one that's gonna you guys are gonna go oh wait a minute i forgot about that remember the live action teenage mutant ninja turtles i don't actually the first two are great. The third one, not so much. Okay, that's not the reaction I was hoping for. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, so are you talking about the uh, the Michael Bay one? No, I'm talking no. about the 90s one where everyone was in like suits. Illegal, where have you been? It was like Power Rangers-esque almost. Yeah, it was awesome. About, like the TV show where they had the girl turtle? Yeah, the girl yeah. was there too. Yeah, see, I never watched that one, but the movies are good. Yeah, the movies were great. Bring those back. Imagine if you had all of the turtles from like the the different iterations. So you had like the Michael Bay turtles, the '90s turtles, and then like the very cartoonish Nickelodeon turtles, and they're all like Cowabunga! Who are you? Well, I could see that the old '90s ones looking it. at the mutant humanoid ones that we got uh, recently and going, yeah, "What? What the heck is wrong with you guys?" <laughs> I, I I have two answers, but they're very similar. So so hear me out. James Bond. Would be one definitely. I'm 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 going more adult with my answers. Okay, that's a good because answer. Because again, I'm a I'm a grouchy old man. Now the problem with the James Bond one is that I think all the James Bonds except for Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig are are no longer with us. <laughs> so that that would be a bit of a problem logistically making it work. But they could always like bring a bunch of villain Sean back Connery to fight Bond. That's this. Sean Connery has passed, I believe. What? I'd have to I'd have to check the tape on that one, but I'm almost positive he is no longer with us. You could bring back all the villains at the same time, though, and like, like, 
you know, all the classic villains cast them as new people, but they come back and they're, you know, like the other one I was going to say, which I think might work even better would be mission impossible. Tom Cruise fights Tom Cruise, every villain, every villain from the first five movies at the same time, or the first six movies or however many there have been. I think that's where I think action movies or action franchises might be where the rubber meets the road here with this kind of idea. And that's, that's one of the reasons that the Marvel way has been so successful. In terms of like kid stuff, that's that's I, I have. Well, it a hard doesn't time have to be kid stuff. It could be anything. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with my James Bond slash Mission Impossible answer for now. Very solid. You have an answer, Nerd Bomber? Are you? Are you? Mine, you're just quizzing quizzing all of us. <laughs> no, mine I think would be, and this is just because I really liked the the CW verse in its early iterations. But like, I would love to see the CW Flash in Grant Gustin in the, the new Flash movie coming up. They're doing the Batman for that one. So like they're bringing back Keaton mm-hmm. and I think they're, right. there's, I think Affleck's also going to appear. In but it. I still say that yep. Keaton's not Bruce Wayne in this one. I still say that's Tom Wayne. I still think you're wrong. That, that That's going to be your, your biggest wrong prediction yet. And I can't wait until that movie comes out and you're wrong. It's that is the whole part of flashpoint paradox if that's what they're pulling from that's what it is i'm just i'm pulling from the comic books here it's it's not just it's not off the cuff it's on the cuff a lot of off and on the cuff today we'll we'll see again i can't wait for you to be wrong but i guess we'll see uh yeah blues clues let us know at online warriors one at ow illegal 86 at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber are you a blues cluer you probably don't call yourself that if you are, but if you I'm are, I'm a big fan of salt and pepper of their relationships. So I like oh, yeah. paprika. No, man. Yeah, paprika is where it's at. Uh, if you're a paprika fan, <laughs> we, either we, the spice or the character, just shout us we out. We all know salt's not the dad. That's that's a brutal take. I well, I I don't know if that's true, honestly. I don't know what's in paprika, but we'll that we'll save that for for a later discussion. For now, we're going to transition to what are you up to Wednesday where we find out what all of us have been up to, including our fantastic guest, Mr. Stephen Keller. We're going to start with you, Stephen. You already told us about Uncharted. What else do you have going on in your life? So what I've been doing the last month is, so a few years ago, I joined the Film Independent Society. I think that's what they're called, Film Independent. I don't know if you guys know anything about them. I've heard of them. Do they go by Fizz? Fizz, yes. So they put on the Spirit Awards. So it's kind of like the Oscars, but for indie movies. And so I've been watching screeners for the past month. So I've had 37 movies that I've been trying to get through before I vote on Tuesday. I have to vote by Tuesday at five. And so. Wow, this is this is the best. First of all, this is this is the coolest thing. I, I'm, I'm sure you can't share much with us, but it sounds like the coolest experience ever. Are you paying? Are you like is you have to like pay dues as a member or something to that? Yeah, I, I wanna... it's like a hundred bucks a year. And then okay. so, I mean, it's. The perks are if you live in L.A. New York, because you can actually go to, like, physical screeners. But throughout the year, they'll email you, like, digital ones that you have, like, 48 hours to watch. But usually they're just small movies that you won't see in theaters. I can't even... I mean, so just to give people a sense of this, and I don't know if these these are the kind of screeners you're getting. I know you can't tell us. But last year, uh, Spirit Award winners, Nomadland, Sound of Metal... Uh, looks like those two won a bunch. Promising Young Woman, Minari, which I did watch. Crip Camp, One Night in Miami. I mean, there's so many movies on here that they go on to be big deals at the Oscars. I don't know which one happens yeah. first, actually. But um, Usually, in the past, it's always been the Spirit Awards were the night before the Oscars. But this year, it's, I think, a couple weeks before. 
But right. yeah, there have been crossovers. Like the first year I started was when Get Out was came out, and then the following year was Moonlight. So okay, yeah, there yeah. is some crossover. Boy, that's and actually, so when we get to my update, I'm going to say a movie that I've watched. I'm going. I wonder if you've seen it. We could talk about it. But in any case, continue. That's very cool. I don't. Again, I don't know how much you can tell us about movies you've seen and liked. Probably not much at well, all. But I mean, the nominees have been out, so like. It kind of goes across various categories, like best feature, best actor, best actress, those kind of things. And for me, the kind of the standouts were Coda, which I don't know if any of you guys have seen on Apple TV Plus. I've Not heard yet. of it. Yeah, but I've yeah. seen the Averhams and I, we're finishing up some stuff, but I want to watch it. So that one's kind of the one I've, I've heard about and everyone said was really good, but I never watched it just because I don't like streaming things. But since I had to watch it for this, it was... I ugly cried for the last 30 minutes of that movie just straight. Like, it's just, it was great. I loved it. It might be my favorite movie that came out in 2021 now that I've seen it. Wow. It was kind of, yeah, it ended up standing out for me as one of the best, which is weird because it's nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, but at the Spirit Awards, it just got Best Supporting Actor. So, like, it's kind of weird how these kind of societies vote for things like that. I uh, I killed my Apple TV+. Plus. Shout out to Apple TV Plus. I, I killed you. I wasn't really? <laughs> after Ted Lasso. I wasn't watching anything on you, so I so I killed you. I'll get it back at some point. I'm sure when Ted Lasso comes out again. But it was sitting there gathering dust, so I I, I nuked it after the free trial was over. But yeah, I did hear. I, I remember seeing the trailers for. I did hear a lot of good things about Coda. So very cool. I will. I guess ask you. Do you have anything else to share? Do you, are we going to keep keep the wheel rolling here? Uh, I guess the only thing that I could say is another one to look out for is a movie called The Novice, which if you liked Whiplash and Black Swan, it's kind of that type of movie where a person's obsessive about something, but it's with crew. So it's about a college girl who's obsessed with doing crew and wanting to be on Varsity Crew. So I don't know if that's out anywhere, but that was one I really enjoyed too. It looks like it is also on Apple TV, but it's also rentable on Amazon Prime Video. Anything you're playing right now in addition to that? Game-wise, I just beat Kirby Star Allies last night while I was watching the Gonzaga game. But And then I'm replaying Horizon Zero Dawn before I jump into Forbidden West. been hearing a lot about that. Horizon Zero Dawn is another game that I I was actually really enjoying that game, but then I fell off the wagon. I think just, it was one of those situations I had a lot going on at the time. And it I was just, the moment Nerd Bomber said it was a good game. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> That's like, what oh, happened. Yeah, she, she, she said it was good, and I said, all right, I better put it down. I, I want to ask, so the movie that I watched this week that I imagine may have been in conversations in the Associated with the Independent Spirit Awards was Spencer. Did you see Spencer? I, I did see Spencer. I have to say, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a slow, weird, slow burn that wasn't what I was expecting. It Well, it, it, the thing, and I'm going to, spoilers, I guess, but like, if you're me, you watch the trailer for Spencer and you go into Spencer knowing what... So for those that don't know what it is, it is about Princess Diana, played by Kristen Stewart. And everything I saw about it before going into watching it, I had the idea of, okay, this is going to be a fairly traditional biopic of like the days leading up to her dying or like the days where she was with the royal family and unhappy. Like, And it was going to be a non-fictional or largely non-fictional account of things that happened. Which is where my interest was, by the way. Like, I, I, I think there's, an inter- there's interesting stories to be told there. The opening credits of this movie start rolling, and they say it is a fable. That is the word they used. A fable of, like, a tragic yada yada, something like that. And, boy, is it a fable. Like, there's certain things that happen that I'm like, 
At one point, she she rips a pearl necklace off of herself and eats the pearls. Like it's just it's just it's very weird. It was a very weird movie. It was like what you just said, Stephen, which is like it wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what I wanted at all, and I think I was very embittered to it for that reason. And also, for what it's worth, she's nominated for best actress. I don't think she was that good. Like it, it's it's kind of hard to say because the movie is written very strangely, and she had some weird material to work with. But I didn't think she was that good. So it's just it's one of those things where I was watching it thinking like, okay, this is going to be highbrow, like Oscar Beatty stuff. And like it kind of was, but it wasn't good. <laughs> like I think that was my, I was, I, ended, I was disappointed at the end of it, I guess is what I will say. So for me, that was, that's like the main thing I have to update on. I'm playing Mass Effect. I finished building the Lego Millennium Falcon that I got. And the update on that is that Lego holds up. Like if you're if you're an adult person who is occasionally grouchy, like I clearly am, talking about that Blue's Clues stuff, and you're thinking, I'm too old for Lego and to like enjoy Lego and like for that to be a thing for me, like it was when I was a kid. Trust me, you were wrong. The primary difference, of course, being when you're a kid, you build the Lego and you're you're frantically rushing through building it so you can play with it, right? When you're an adult the building it is the fun part. that's the fun part like i'm building a millennium falcon watching it come together and it was is it was and it is so immensely satisfying and it like it's it's being displayed on a shelf in my house right now and i, I couldn't be happier that's gonna be a thing for me how many hours did it take uh yeah that was the other thing i i so i got it for my fiance for valentine's day because she's an amazing fiance and she was i was like oh great this is gonna be a great way to spend my sunday afternoon like i, I was literally thinking i was like this is gonna take me maybe two hours i took like six i didn't time it but it took at least six hours like because it, it's it was 13 over 1300 pieces and like i would zip through these things when i was a kid you know i'd, I'd get big sets and build them but like Again, I think because the building was the satisfying and like therapeutic part of it, I think I like I did it over time and like and by the way, they like separate the pieces into like there was like ten separate bags of pieces so you can kind of build it in sections. So I would do a section and do that and then do something else for a while and go back to it. So probably six hours would be my estimate. Kids have a better attention span with building things. And I've seen that I've seen that with the labo set because Nerd Bomber and I, that's two people could not like even finish the second set but it was not so that was weird though because it wasn't so much that i didn't have the attention span but i was so scared of folding it wrong that like i didn't want to screw up the cardboard so i was just go for it yeah i was doing it so slow and then we gave it to my nephew not our set we gave him a new set for my nephew and we were helping him build and he just like went he didn't even worry about creasing things wrong he just went full speed ahead and he finished that so much faster than we did it was crazy i still have a bunch of star wars lego like at my parents house that she saved a bunch of it and she has like all the instructions and stuff so i i potentially i'm going to take stock of that situation when i go over to their house at some point this week and like i may have a windfall of like old legos to rebuild and it's i cannot wait so yeah, that's what's going on with me. This is one of those weeks where Tactic hyped the crap out of his updates. So Tactic, go ahead. Regal us. I can't wait. So I have three updates of things that happened this week. The first one is this past weekend was Nerd Bomber and I's 10-year anniversary. We have been together for a long time and have been casting for 
probably most of this relationship. Be it's, it. it's, how long have we been casting? Do we know? Is it like six, this six, show has right? been five years. Our previous one was like two or three. So pretty much yeah, so the majority of our relationship. And so pretty cool. We had, I, I'm a big fan of fondue nights are like special occasion nights. Um, I, I like cooking. I like preparing nice meals. So we did that, did a three course meal. You know, you start with your cheese and you don't, your cheese dip, then you go with your broth dip for meats and things like that. And then you go into your chocolate dip. So that was a great time. And we finished off the night. And this is why Nerd Bomber had had to purchase a DVD is because every year on our anniversary, we watch the movie No Strings Attached. It is becoming more and more difficult to rent due to its availability. And honestly, it's because it's a yearly thing. It's just a waste of money that we keep doing it. And so she said, you know what? I am going to buy this disc because it is a smart investment and we're going to keep watching it. Is it the Ashton Kutcher one or the Justin Tech? I've the, this 100 the, times. The, the Ashton superior Kutcher Ashton Kutcher, Natalie Portman one. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first update. The second update is we streamed a documentary thing on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler. And my goodness gracious this is about a a gentleman on tinder who i don't even know if i'd call him a gentleman a person on tinder who he doesn't deserve that distinction a multi-cell organism on tinder who goes around going on dates with women introduces them to this lavish lifestyle and then as they, as they fall for him, he messages them, hey, Peter's hurt. I need I need money. My enemies are after me. My bank accounts are shut down. I need money. It's only like uh, $30,000. Yeah. So to give context of why this only. makes sense, he frames himself as the son of this real man. So he changed his name to the same last name as this like billionaire diamond magnet. And so he's like, I'm this guy's son, like has photoshopped himself into pictures with this diamond and he takes Tycoon. them to really expensive places on private jets. So they think, oh, he's got money. He'll just pay me back. No problem. Well, plot twist, the money that he's paying for these private jets and all these lavish things are the previous girl's money. And so he's always paying for the, the next person for his investment yeah, it's, it's, to keep it's a, a cottage like, sort of a Ponzi scheme thing going. And it is it is nuts. And then he, here's the crazy part. And it's not spoilers because this is this was this is a real story, guys. The crazy part is, and like he has a Hollywood agent now because that's how the world works, where bad people. He yes, he's now on. making money off of this fame, and the women in the story are like pushing for like a GoFundMe because they're still in massive amounts of debts. Not even the banks were like, ah, eh, okay. Yeah, nope. he's they're like, like well, you five still months pay in jail, <laughs> and now well, has like, I mean, like a Hollywood deal. Was the argument? Was the argument that like technically it's not really stealing because well, they yeah gave him the they money. gave him the money, and it, yeah. it, it, but it's like it's nuts that like he's now making tons of money off of his fame and like they're not. Which I guess his whole shtick was he's a person who takes opportunity, takes advantage of opportunity. But like it is, it is nuts. Okay? What's wild to me, like I have so many thoughts on this. Like first of all, I think he's an awful person, and it, it's nuts to me that people like he's got a cameo and is selling t-shirts like making a joke out of the whole thing and people are buying it but also like i don't know if a dude i met on tinder was like my bodyguards hurt please take on right. loan, sell like, your car and send me fifty thousand yeah. dollars i'd be like i don't like i don't know though like but that's what you think that like cause I, I i feel the same way obviously but if he did it so many times to so many people there has to be 
an effective nature to like how he does well, yeah because they think oh he has the money this, 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 yeah. is, this is like asking for five bucks this is like to him this is oh can right. you spot me up for dinner tonight but yeah wow. no i I'm, I'm sure there there's a psychology to it but i agree with you nerd bomber at face value it's like why would you give anyone money money that you met on tinder like it just doesn't seem to make any sense well he'd build a relationship with him after like a month or two i think it was two months was when he asked this one person but anyway so and then my third update and this is not as big deal relative to the other topics but like this is a big deal for me personally i've played almost every single pokemon game ever and excluding pokemon go because that doesn't really count as a pokemon game i've never caught a shiny guys i caught my first shiny and it was one of my top six from the original red version and that is i got a shiny alakazam and i was very excited about it and here's the even crazier part when i came across this shiny alakazam i had three pokeballs in my bag that's it high stakes don't mess this up because it's the the Pokemon Legend of Arceus, it auto saves, so it's not like I can like redo it. And them appearing is also random, so it was like this is it, all or nothing. And I caught it, and it was so exciting. And it was right before the show, so I am riding a high right now, guys. I wish I could give you the excitement that you that you deserve. So I'm sure you do deserve it, but I, I'm not a Pokemon. I'm not. I'm not a Pokemon. Uh, it sounds cool. I remember Alakazam. I at one point probably caught one in Pokemon Snap or something. Right on. Glad to hear you're enjoying. I still don't know if it's Arceus or Arceus. I'll never know. Uh, Nerd Bomber. All right. So gaming wise, I finally finished Guardians of the Galaxy and it was freaking incredible. I think if I had played it in 2021 and I went back and took stock of the games that I had played in 2021 and keep in mind, I played like stuff like Deathloop and Ratchet and Clank. I think it might have been my game of the year and i don't think i expected that but here i am saying that it was that good and i know steven you've played this right yeah i played it toward yeah like towards the end of the year and i thought it was really good too i think it was in my top five for games of the year it was surprising and like the storytelling i i don't want to call it masterful but it was pretty close like it was really well done so if you haven't played guardians of the galaxy yet I don't want to like get too much into it because technically it was Tectic's game. He got it for Christmas and told me basically I didn't want to, but he told me you must play this while I'm in Pokemon land. And I did. And I don't want to spoil anything for him, but like it was, it was really good. So play it for sure. And then. All right. So it's, it's going on my do not playlist. Got it. (laughs) Steven, tell him to play it so that you can override my apparently bad recommendations. (laughs) I think you should play it. It's a lot of fun. There it is. I'm back in. I'm back in, baby. That's all it takes. Yeah, it's play it. And then TV wise, um, we've kind of been going through Apple TV Plus, cleaning up on some seasons that we missed. Watch the morning show. I don't really have too much to say about that. I don't really know how I felt about that. Uh, Made me very anxious. I don't know why. I think a lot of people just yelling at each other made me anxious. But we watched for All Mankind season two, which was really, really, really good. And if you're not familiar with For All Mankind, the TV show is basically like an alternate reality where if you went back in time during the space race between the U.S. and Russia, if Russia had beat us to the moon, kind of what would play out 
and how history would change and kind of like the butterfly effect where obviously one thing causes a huge ripple effect down the line. And I would say that's probably one of my favorite shows going right now. And I'm super excited for season three. Like I cannot wait. It's one of those shows where it's so well crafted and you care about the characters, even though not all of the characters are super likable, but you still care about the story. And, you know, there's some politics, but also like if you're into science, you get some of that cool, obviously like space faring sci-fi stuff. And I, I think it's definitely a show like my mom was really against watching it for the longest time and I was like no you know this is one of my favorite shows you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and she's like oh I don't like space I don't like history I don't like period pieces I don't like dramas you don't like space yeah she she I don't know I can't even classify she's like she likes sitcoms basically like she watches young Sheldon and stuff like that yeah but she likes succession that's not a sitcom yeah that's true I I don't we finished that by the way that show's awesome but she watched For All Mankind that's and she I'm loved in, right? it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. You're in it. I'll tell you, you have a rough time in season three. Oh, jeez. You should, you should probably seek out some kind of therapy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then yeah. last but not least, we watched Home Before Dark season two, which season one was actually very good. It was based off a true story, a young reporter. And by young, I mean like literally like she's under 10 years old grew up in new york but her father and family go back to her father's hometown and in the first season she basically solves like this murder story using journalistic techniques and she basically has a little like website blog and she solves this decades old murder story and that was based off a real story in season two it becomes a little more like aaron brockovichy where like the mega corporation in this small town is kind of doing bad things chemically and poisoning the town. And it's very slow to start because you can tell without having like real life source material, the writers kind of struggled a little bit to figure out where they were going. And I think towards the end of the season, they got there. And the end of the season was better than the first half of season two, in my opinion. But then they kind of left it in a place where it almost feels like they should just wrap it up. But they kind of left a cliffhanger-ish sort of thing where it's open-ended. So if season three comes along, they have a little bit of a story starter. But I think they probably should have just wrapped it up. Like, it was cute, but I think it's done now. You guys really have been going hard on the Apple the Apple shows. Yeah. All Apple shows. My free trial is ending soon from buying my phone. So I'm like, eh, gotta yeah, make the most of it. Yeah, that's what happened to me. It makes sense to me. Well, right on. Uh, we just we just sprinkled some some various recommendations into the episode, which is always good. And now... I'm going to beat you guys in a quiz. That's that's my plan anyways. So, Tactic, I think you're the quiz master today, so I'll turn it over to you. Okay, so today we're going to venture into a mysterious world. The world of the Uncharted video game IP. And so we're going to roll right into it with the first question, which is, how many different Uncharted games are there, including web-based and mobile games? Okay, uh, I, I assume I'm going to go first because I feel like, I feel like I do have a little bit of an advantage here. Uh, eight, eight. Are we counting remasters in collections or standalone? Standalone individuals? individual. I still say eight. Good question, though. I didn't even think to ask that. Who goes next? next tactic? tactic. I don't know. You guys are adults. <laughs> we can give Stephen the advantage on the first question. I feel like this is both easy and hard, though. Like, where it gets hard is, like, the mobile games. I don't know how many of those they might have had. Because there's four mainline ones, though, right? There can't be that many mobile games. 
I'm going to say five. That leaves a really small window available, I guess. The answer's eight, but I'm going to say nine, just in case there's one that I don't know about. So, Stephen hits the nail on the head. There are nine. Golly. There is one you don't know about. I was so close, man. Ah. Okay, tell us. Tell us about him. I didn't list them here, so we're just going to roll forward. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I don't know what that... I don't know so, what that other one is then. I it's prob- it's actually, honestly probably the web-based game that you're not familiar with. Because there's a card game, and then there's the f- mobile game, and then there's the Vita game. There's a board game, too. There's a board game. I did, I did oh, know I that. I know we were counting board games. Well, yeah, I, in your subconscious, you did, because you, you, you got the answer. Nerd Bomber, by the way, there are five video games. You named all of the, all of the PlayStation games, and then you didn't add anything else. <laughs> so... Because uh, there's the four main games and there's the oh, Lost Legacy. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about the Lost Legacy. Yeah, okay. And yeah. there's the Vita game. And there's the Vita game and, yeah, then other stuff sprinkled in. Okay, well, I was close. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the day, I'm just happy to not put an eye on my score ticker. That's that's the goal here, really. I just want to see a lot, an, a lot of N's and a lot of S's. So, moving forward. Okay, fair enough. With, I, with I see where your allegiance lies. When did the first Uncharted game come out? So this would be me. This is tough. And I feel like you guys are going to know the answer to this. This is because it was a PS3 era, right? 2006. I'm I'm the one who hasn't really played Uncharted out of all of us. <laughs> 2007. Now. Yeah, I I actually think. Hang on, hang on, hang really on. Strong guess. Okay. Steven, you already used a plus one. It, but I, oh. but I'm not plus one because I, I believe it is 2007. He's just getting them right. I'll allow Yeah. It. I'm going to say 08, but I do think Steven got it right. I th- I was going to guess 07 myself. It is 07, but <laughs> okay. I'm just okay. So just trying to make Steven's, sure that we're... Look, it's okay. Steven's booming us. He knows things. This this is how the world works. Considering... You got sh- to show up prepared. Considering I was firmly in like the Xbox camp at that point in time, I'm surprised I was as close as I was. Uncharted 4 is the highest selling Uncharted game and one of the best selling PlayStation 4 games. How many copies sold? So that's me first. I'm going to go 8 million. I had a number in my head immediately and it was 11. So I'm going to say 11 million. I'm going to say, I feel like it's more than that. We're talking like the best selling PS4 game of all time. And God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn were also in that, obviously, generation. I don't want to go too high, though. I'll say 15 million. What is with these nail on the head guesses? So Nerd Bomber gets it. It's 15 million copies. Golly Moses. Sun's getting low on Team Illegal here. I thought I, I you know, I thought I had this one. It's not Sorry to like scoop that. you. I almost had 20, but I was just like, ah, I feel like I'm gonna bust. I thought you were gonna use your plus one on me, so that's that's fine. Look, don't don't hate the players, hate the game, you know? Okay, so in order to stay alive, basically, illegal, you yeah, have I to get to, this one. I gotta go big here. The theatrical release ended up exceeding expectations. How much money did it pull in President's Day weekend in North America? 84 million. Now I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to plus one you. 85 yeah, million. I knew that was I knew that was coming. Cali. I don't want to overestimate, so I'm saying 30 million cuz yeah, I, I think the joke is on you, Nerdbomber. I think I did go too high. Did you just say you think it's closer to 45 just where, where do you where, how is it, 40, is it 45? It's 44.1 million. It was expected to make 30 million this weekend, and it made 44.1 in North America. Steven, you have won this weekend. 
That's because I read an article yesterday about it because I follow the box office stuff. Well, and it's we're talking to a member of the Independent Film Society here, or whatever it's called, Film Independent. The, <laughs> fit, the we're fizz. talking to a Fizz member fizz. here. Uh, what do we expect? Well, okay, victory lap time. I mean, he's he's got it in the bag, right? Or is that it? Is it over? I've got a fifth question, but he's locked it in. There's no one that can possibly beat him. Okay, let's just do it for fun. When was Nathan Drake born? How old is he supposed to be in the game? Is he supposed to be like I, I love and like I I know I have no points, but I love Nerd Bomber just fumbling around in the dark <laughs> on every single question and somehow hitting one of them, by the way. Okay, I'm going to well the only reason I hit on that was more because I had a general concept of how much Horizon and God of War sold. Okay, so assuming maybe he's supposed to be forty in the first game, and that came out in two thousand seven. That would put his birthday, why can't I do math? Hold on. 1967? That would make him so old now. Oh, that doesn't seem right, but I'll go with it. 1967. I'm going with 78. Yeah, I was going to say 77. I obviously can't now. I'm going to say 79 because I want to try and get out of here with something, and that's that's my plus one. Steven, you were so close, but you busted. So Nerd Bomber takes it. Was it 77? Nathan Morgan, his actual name was born January 1st, 1976. Ah, dang it. Well, I mean... So, so Illegal got nothing correct. I just want to... <laughs> I got, I got, I got no like points. Sounds like a sweep. That, I, that's the... Oh, here we go. Are you going to do it? Did you do it? Did the sound play? I'm waiting. Oh, oh I, I got applause. rid of the sweep sound. We never used it. Also I like the applause. Steven did a good job. He crushed it, honestly. All of his guesses were either very close or spot on. I was nervous. I accept the outcome. Steven moves to one and zero. Everyone else gets a loss here. That's that. That's the key. I move to three and two. Nerd Bomber moves to two and three, which moves her into a tie with Tactic at two and three. So now we're officially in a state here where it might as well be that we're just like starting over. We're all so close that it's just it's pretty much everyone's just neck and neck. So, Steven, you get to make a big decision here. Who would you like to host the quiz next week? Ooh, ooh. Let's let Nerd Bomber host. All right. There you go. The tactic illegal showdown. It didn't go well for me last time, and it, it's back on the docket. I gotta, I gotta start studying. I don't know. I guess, to, I guess, just study everything in my situation. That's what you have to do. If he said you, then you would have gotten another opportunity to do the quiz without getting a point, which would have made us closer, breathing down your neck. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll win next week, and then I'll, yeah, I'll start pulling away from from both of y'all. So. Steven, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. We're at the end here, and this is, I, I think, one of our longer episodes ever. And all the there's many good reasons for it, the most of which being, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you here, as always. Any parting shots you want to you wanna lay on any of us or parting words for the audience? I can't think of anything. Okay. Spot. I should have been prepared. No, that's prepared. that's 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 okay. I yeah, I, I don't know why I put you on the spot like that. Uh I was hoping you were gonna insult either Tectic or Nerd Bomber, but I think that was kind of a pipe dream. That's why I said party yeah. shot. I'm not gonna do that. Well there you go. He's not gonna do that, folks, because he's a good guy. Especially on the anniversary was so close. I can't be mean to him then. We appreciate it. Oh, I think you. that's the <laughs> I think that's the best that's the best possible time to be mean to them. They're being Steven, let me tell you, I follow them on, on other social medias. They're being really gross. Like it's just it's just it's grossing me out. Ten years of relationship, it's it's a little bit much. It's like the one post I make all year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is that's why I noticed it. I'm like, holy crap, Tectic posted. Oh, yeah, that again. That that's that's pretty much what happens every year. But yeah, thank you again, Steven, for joining us. Uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. 
tactic it's your time to shine take us out with a tech tip here's a little advice for you guys if you're going to be loud and make a racket be sure to bring tennis balls thanks everybody see you next week